Hello and welcome to this audio recording for the weekly research roundup for research published between the 15th and 21st of November 2022. I'm Katrina Pears, the research correspondent for the ME Association. It's been another quiet week for ME-CFS research and there have only been three new ME-CFS studies, but another busy week for long COVID research with 19 new studies. Similar to last week, two of the papers in the ME-CFS reference section focus on ME-CFS that has developed following a COVID-19 infection. These are papers one and two where participants fulfil the diagnostic criteria. Therefore, these papers are of a slightly different nature as there is a known cause, but also shows the increasing recognition for the similarities between ME-CFS and long COVID. Unfortunately, few of the studies caught our eye this week, so we have highlighted one of the studies from the ME-CFS reference section and included snippets of the studies in the long COVID reference section this week. Paper 1 is on a protocol for the first international study which aims to investigate the long-term effects of COVID-19, including symptoms, diagnosis and treatments. From this, the prevalence of chronic fatigue syndromes slash ME worldwide can be gained. The study looks to involve 200 researchers in 28 countries. Therefore, there are no results at this stage. The aims of this study are huge, especially to get an insight into less developed countries. For example, to name a few, Bangladesh, Ecuador, Yemen are all listed by the authors. There are a few things that stand out making this protocol questionable. Firstly, if this study involves huge international collaboration, why are there only two authors listed? Secondly, The timescale for this study is cited to be conducted between September 2021 to September 2022. However, the ethics approval was only attained in November 2021 in a few of the countries listed after the study was said to commence, with a number of the countries cited having not gained ethics approval yet at the time this protocol was published. Thirdly, this is a very ambitious study to coordinate and complete in the time sales quoted. Lastly, this study will heavily rely on the DPOOL questionnaire, specifically DSQ2, which is often criticised by the ME-CFS community. For example, it only gives a snapshot of symptoms, doesn't represent post-exertional malaise PEM, which is poorly described by the questionnaire, and it doesn't look at this over time accurately, doesn't measure the effects of pacing, is often too complex and lengthy to complete, and it has strong psychometric properties. I also find the title of this published protocol interesting, as the link between ME-CFS and long COVID is recognised with the word ME placed in brackets. To date, all studies I've come across in this domain have referred to long COVID chronic fatigue syndrome. It will be interesting to see how the name changes over time and if in the future the two will not be distinguished between and grouped under just ME-CFS. Lastly, if the study is successful, it's probably not going to be long until we see results. In the long COVID reference section, you may also be interested in reading. Paper 2 is a comprehensive review of long COVID focusing on what we know so far and brings many different aspects together. 
The review covers several different topics such as mechanisms, epidemiology, pathophysiology, long COVID in the physically active, the use of CPET testing, POTS, neurological contributors, microclots, endothelial dysfunction, mitochondrial dysfunction and links to ME-CFS. One of the authors on this review is Dr. Carl Morton, whose other research has been funded by the ME Association's Ramsey Research Fund, and his research group actively focuses on understanding the role of mitochondria in health and disease. Dr. Carl Morton's latest study focused on finding a diagnostic test due to plasma components present in patients with severe ME-CFS and healthy controls differing. Paper 3 is a feasibility study looking at the use of heart rate variability biofeedback technique via a standardised slow diaphragmatic breathing programme for patients with long COVID. This study will employ wearable technology for those undertaking the programme in which the polar chest strap device linked to a elite HRV phone application while undertaking the breathing exercise technique for two 10-minute periods every day for at least five days in a week for four weeks as well as wearing a wrist-worn Fitbit device. Currently this is only a published protocol so there is no data but I look forward to seeing the outcomes of the study as I feel a lot can be gained from wearable devices in the home to measure health. For example, we also recently saw a study where activity levels were monitored in patients with ME-CFS using Fitbits. Thank you for listening to this audio recording of the weekly research roundup. I will be back next week with the next instalment.